Hi, everyone. 1 Corinthians 13, 1 to 9, not including 1 to 8, sorry. If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels but didn't love, didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it, but if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless, but love will last forever. Thanks, Robin. Thanks, Raj. Well, praise the Lord and good afternoon, everyone. We're delighted to be here this afternoon and happy Father's Day to all our fathers. Amen. The title of my message this afternoon is God's Uncompromising Love. And the subtitle is The Father Heart of God. This is during one of those times as I journeyed in the Lord, as I was serving the Lord as a missionary, I began to ask the Lord one question, what ingredient do I need to remain passionate for God? So the Lord led me to the book of Hosea. Hosea was written some 700 years before Christ, Hosea is the, pro Hosea is the prophet who is sent to the, to the 10 tribes of Israel, the last prophet before Lord uh, sent judgment on the nation of Israel. But this is a time when God used a man to reveal himself. You see, what actually happened is that the nation of Israel has departed from the Lord. In the eyes of the Lord, he committed, they committed holotry. So Lord wanted to show how much he loved his people. To what extent God is prepared to go and love them. So he used the men of God to reveal his heart for the nation of Israel. So God said to the prophet Hosea, I want you to go in verse, uh, Hosea chapter 1 verse 2. He said, Hosea, I want you to go and get a wife of halotry and the children of halotry 
from the land has committed great harlotry by departing from the Lord. What God was actually trying to say is what it feels like to keep loving and loving when there is no love coming back. So he used the men of God to be the message to the people. So what did the prophet do? He went and got a, got a woman by the name of Goma. She bore him three children, and after that, she leaves him and goes and sells herself on the streets for some unknown reason. Maybe sometime Hosea would be seen in front of the brothel trying to persuade his wife to bring her back, to love her. But it is in chapter 3 when we see that maybe when Goma became old and like a wrinkled pot, someone might say, it is during that time he received the shocking command that I want you to go and bring your wife back. You see, what goes through the mind of a man when a woman like Goma treats a man like Hosea? I'm sure no man in this room would, would feel such a love to go to such an extent to love his wife when the woman treats a man like Goma treated Hosea. You know, he became the joke of the community. But grace won. He went and he got his wife back. Maybe the people around him asked him, how did you do this? How do you feel about it? You know, you are a holy man. I see you going to the brothels, you know, in, during those night times. And Hosea would say, you know, I have a solution for this. How can a holy God like that love an adulterous nation like ours? You see, that was something that the Lord was leading into trying to understand, trying to grasp what it feels like to go to such an extent to love someone who don't deserve to be loved. Maybe him as a man wanted to kill his wife, wanted to do nothing with his wife. But here we see God put such a love in his heart to go back to his wife. You know, what I'm trying to share with us today is this. You can grasp what it means for a man. Try and picture it. In our real life, how does it feel like? You know, if God can go down to such level, to such depth, to love us. You know, not only that we see in the Bible. At the cross, we see God demonstrated full measure of his love. When he stretched forth his hands and he said, this is how much I love you. You see, the cross is the center of time in eternity. The cross is not a man's cross, but it is God's cross. The cross displays the nature and the characteristic of God. The gateway whereby an individual of human race can enter in union with God. The center of salvation is the cross of Jesus. And it's the reason why it is so easy to obtain salvation, because it cost God so much. Amen? Salvation is easy because it cost God so much. 
The cross is the point where God and a sinful man merge with a crash and the way of life is opened. But the crash was in the heart of God. When we think about the prodigal son, the son who ruined his father's reputation, who, who squandered all his possessions, whatever inheritance was given to him. Whenever we think about the prodigal son, we think about the son that needs to come home. But we forget about the father, the father heart of God. You know, in Luke chapter 15, it says like this. When he saw, when he, when he arose and came to his father, but when he was still afar off, his father saw him. He had compassion and he ran towards him. You know, there's only one place in the Bible where God runs. When he saw his son, he ran. You see, when we think about the prodigal son, we think about the son needs to come home, but we forget about the father heart of God. Father heart of God that is reaching out to his children. Amen? Jim Elliot, the missionary to Ecuador, this is what he said. He is no fool who give what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. You see, at the cross is a place where God displays the full measure of his love. God could not give up humanity, but he gave up his only son. Amen? Bible tells us in Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 3, he said, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Amen? John chapter 13, verse 15, it says, There is no greater love than this, that a person would lay down his life for the sake of his friend. Romans chapter 5 verse 80 says, But God demonstrated his own love for us, that while we were still sinners, he died for us. Amen? 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 21 said, For he hath made him to be sin for us, he that he knew no sin to become sin for us. Amen? It is Jesus on that cross at the cross, he redeemed us. He not only redeemed us, he reconciled us. He not only reconciled us, he, has, he remembers us. It is only through the cross, he justified us, he sanctified us, and he will glorify us, glorify us one day. Amen? It is the place, the cross, where Jesus shows us God's love, how much he loves us. I want us to know this, that God loves you. Amen. No matter who you are, no matter what you have done, God loves you. And I would like to take us to one of those most important moments in the life of Paul. This is where I would like to concentrate what I want to say to us. Paul is writing in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14 and 15. This is what he says. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14 and 15. For the love of Christ controls and urges us and impels us because we, have, we are of opinion and convictions that one died for all, that all died. This is an amplified version. In New King James Version it says, For the love of Christ compels us. The word compel, you know, it also means 
to be constrained by, to be held in a vice, to be overpowered, to be ruled by. Paul is saying, I am overpowered by the love of Christ. I am controlled by the love of Christ. I am constrained by the love of Christ. I am held by the love of Christ. You know, Paul, doesn't, Paul says, I am not constrained by some miraculous encounter. You remember the time in the Bible when you see in the book of Acts chapter 9. You know, when Paul, in his passion, in his rage, he was creating the havoc in the church. He was the nightmare of the church. He said in his zeal and his passion, as he was going towards Damascus, you know, as he was going to persecute the church, you know, he, in the light, he saw a bright light, and he was riding on his horse. He fell down, and he said, Saul, Saul, whom are you persecuting? Saul said, who are you, Lord? He said, I am Jesus. He said, I am Jesus. Paul doesn't say, I am, I am constrained by some miraculous encounter. But he says, I am constrained by the love of Christ. He said, what do you mean? What do you mean that you're not constrained by some miraculous encounter? I mean, we need the miracle of God. We need the touch of God. But Paul is writing to us and he says, I'm constrained, I'm compelled, I'm overpowered, I'm overruled by the love of Christ. Of course, we love miracles. Of course, we want miracles. We want to see an encounter every day in our lives. We want to see the touch of God. We want to feel the touch of God. Amen? But Paul is saying, I'm constrained by the love of Christ. I said, Paul, what do you mean by you are constrained by the love of Christ? Hallelujah. And this is what Paul has to say to us. In Philippians chapter 3, verses 4 to 10. Though I also might have confidence in flesh, if anyone else think he may have confidence in flesh, I am more so circumcised on the eighth day, on the stock of Israel, on the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, concerning the law of Pharisee. In Acts chapter 26, verses 5, it says, you know, this is really interesting. According to the strictest sect, of our religion, I lived a Pharisee. He said, if you talk about the law, I follow to the dot. He said, this is who I am. You see, I can understand what Paul was trying to say. Let me complete it, what he says. Concerning the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is of the law, blameless. Amen? But what things were gained to me, these I counted loss for Christ. Yes, indeed, I count all these things loss, the excellence of the knowledge of Jesus Christ, my Lord, for whom I have suffered for the loss of all things and count them rubbish. You see, I can understand what Paul is trying to say. You see, I come from the religion where your salvation is entirely based on your performance. 
your good deeds and your bad deeds is going to be judged at the end of time. So every time, there's all, except from Christianity, every other religion is based on performance. Your good deeds needs to outweigh your bad deeds on the, on, the, on the day of judgment, and then you will have eternal life. And here Paul says, I have lived a Pharisees. I follow the law by the dot. Blameless. Then why do you think now he's trying to tell us that I am compelled by the love of Christ? You see, the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came. Grace and truth came. You see, the law demands, but grace supplies. Amen? The cross gives meaning and identity. You see, our identity does not come from our performance. But our identity as the children of God comes from our relationship with God. It's who we are. We are the children of God. That's what our identity is. Not by some performance. Not by how much we pray. Not how good we are. But our identity comes from our relationship with God. That's who we are. That we are the children of God. Amen. Hallelujah. You see, the Bible also tells us that our heart is above all deceitful. You see, Paul is talking about righteousness that comes through Christ. He said that in Christ we have been justified. In Christ we have been sanctified. And through Christ we will be justified. It is the finished work of the cross that has redeemed us, that has reconciled us. Amen. Hallelujah. And Bible also tells us that our righteousness is like the filthy rag. No matter how much good we try to do, we always end up doing bad. You see, the literal meaning, pardon my speech, the literal meaning of the word filthy rag is when is used when the woman is going through menses and the rag that she uses. That's what Paul, that's what the writer is saying in Isaiah chapter 64, verse 6. He says, our righteousness is like the filthy rag in the presence of God. Amen? No, fel- no flesh shall be glorified in the presence of God. And Paul is saying, it is through Christ. It is through Christ. Amen? Hallelujah. It is through Christ, Paul is writing to us, that it is through Christ that he has been saved. You see, we were creatures, if, we were, if someone would wash us with ten different types of Soap, we will still not be clean, but it is through the blood of Jesus that we are made clean. Amen? Our righteousness comes from the, from the Lord himself. It is the cross where the divine exchange took place. It is the cross where we have been made right with God. Paul is writing and telling us, But what things were gained to me, all these things I have counted lost for Christ. Yet indeed I count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Jesus Christ my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss for the things, and count them rubbish that I may gain Christ, and be found him, and not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, that which is through faith in Jesus Christ. Amen? So what am I trying to say to he us today? You see, when I was asking the Lord... How can I remain passionate for the Lord? The Lord led me to the book of Hosea. 
to show us, to reveal to us, when we understand this love from God, when we can truly understand the love of God, it makes it so easy to love others. Amen. Then he led me to, to show us that what it really means. You see, I, as soon as I arrived in Papua New Guinea, four days I was sick, completely on bed, with high fever. And the fifth day, the wisdom tooth grew. And I cannot open my mouth to eat. And one lady offered me food. And I refused it. Because I thought... I, what do I, I don't deserve to get this. It, is, it was so difficult for me to accept something for free because I believe that I need to do something. You see, the gift of God, the free gift of eternal life that God has given to us, it's for us to receive, amen? It's freely given for us to receive through Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, Bible also tells us for God so loved the world that he gave. You see, when we have this love, love of God in us, the love of God is going to lead us to sacrifice. Sacrifice our time, sacrifice our effort. Bible also tells us, as we have, as we have heard, that we, if we have love, if we not have love, and we speak in angelic languages, and if we do not have love, we are nothing but like a sounding brass. Amen. Our, the love of God is also going to lead us to the lost. The love of God is going to lead us to those who are in need. It is the love of God in our hearts that's going to compel us to do unless we know what the love of God is. It is very difficult to love others. You see, when I, was, when I received this revelation about God's love in my heart, I literally went and stayed in a squatter Squatter is a place where, if you have been to Papua New Guinea, it's like, uh, it's a settlement. Whatever they gave for me to eat, I ate. The bed which they was, I was given, I slept on it. A bed in the middle of it with a big hole in it. Can you imagine? How can you sleep? Your leg is up there and your head is on this side and, you, and you're sleeping like this for one week. But something has happened in my heart. God has touched my heart. God has revealed to me what it really means to love. To go to such an extent to love. To go down to such level to love me. Me. A nobody. So I went and lived with them. They would eat in the morning. I mean in the dinner. And the dish will be remained dirty, lying, until the next time to eat. And then you go clean it. But there was something happening in my heart. As I was able to identify with them, as I was able to reach out to them, it is only through God's love I was able to embrace them and to talk with them and to love them because something has happened in my heart. You see, something happened in Paul's life also. Paul being a Pharisee, a man who was so zealous and passionate for God, he knew what it means that God, through Christ, 
came and saved him. Amen. Hallelujah. So I would like to encourage us today. As I finish with us today, I know it is about the Father's Day, but I pray that the Father heart of God would come unto us that we'll be able to experience that love. Because without that love, it is very difficult to love people. It is very difficult to love people. And we are surrounded by people every day, wherever we are, at our workplace, in our community. But I pray, let the love of Christ constrain us. Let the love of Christ dwell in us. Amen? Because if Christ died for us, we died with him. We don't belong to ourselves. We belong to Christ. Amen? When we belong to Christ, there is no room to complain because we are moved by the love of God. It is so easy to complain. It is so easy, you know, to feel frustrated when you are serving the Lord. Somebody was supposed to do this. Somebody was supposed to do this. I know we have been involved in ministry and it is the most frustrating job to be pastoring. You know, but I want you to know if you're, in, if you're motivated by the love of God, if you're compelled by the love of God, you will find great joy in doing this. Amen. So let's bow ahead in prayer. Hallelujah. Father, this afternoon we reach out to you as we are so grateful that you loved us, O oh God, that in return, Lord, we can express our love to others who need this love, O oh God. The world is crying, O oh God, in agony and pain that somebody would reach out to them and love them, O oh God. So it is my prayer, O oh God, that the love of God illuminate our minds and our heart, O oh God, that we can fully understand the love of God on that cross, what it means, O oh God, that you loved us with an everlasting love, O oh God. Hallelujah. That you paid the price for my sin, O oh God. And Father, we just pray today that you touch each and every heart today that we may experience, O oh God, that love. So Lord, bless each and every one of us today. Bless every father in this church, in this congregation, O oh God. Bless them indeed, O oh God. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.